very special episode of First Strike. But before we start the show, I got to mention our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. It's a special episode, special GP Toronto episode, because we got the champ in the house, the newly crowned GP Toronto champion, Robert Anderson. Also got a, the defending champ, Robert Lombardi in the house, and the super top eight master, Doug Potter, who top eight last year, GP Toronto, the Super Sunday series, and he top eight it again today, uh, this weekend, this past weekend. So that's an insane achievement, running hot in, in Toronto GPs. But let's first get to our champ. How does it feel, Rob? Unbelievable. I can't, I never thought that this would happen, at least not so soon. Like, I was getting lucky, but the amount of luck it took to, like, take it down with the deck that I had in the top eight was just unbelievable. I mean, I I actually played quite well, I felt. I did make some punts, but uh, luckily nothing uh, too bad. But, I mean, just the Magic community is just the best community out there everyone like is always cheering you on even after the first draft i was telling everyone man my deck is so bad i'm gonna oh three like people were like no man like you got this just like play tight and it's fine and and they were right and you know i just like i feel like i'm gonna tear up just thinking about all the support like on facebook you know i posted i win the gp and just everyone's telling me like oh man that's such great news you're long overdue and all that stuff um, I, I think you deserve it. Uh, in my heart, you've always been one of the top players in the scene since I started or started Man Deprived in 2010. I've always felt that. And I got to get this joke question out of the way because uh, we because it's been that long. We've sort of, I don't know who started it, but the has-been tag has been. Oh, yeah. Uh, I you? think the person who started that was actually Jake Mazaros. <laughs> my question is. I haven't seen it in a long time. How many years does this trophy buy you in terms of not being called a has-been? Five oh, years? God. <laughs> I'm an eternal has-been. It doesn't buy me any time at all. I'm still a has-been just because I took down one tournament. It doesn't change the fact that I'm 32 years old. I'm way past my prime. I have erectile dysfunction. You know, like, all these things are just not... It doesn't change anything. <laughs> First strike where we get personal with Chief <laughs> champion All Robert the Anderson. All the info. This is the hottest of takes. Rob, this isn't the... I think I forgot to tell you pre-show. It's not like the A-team crazy talk days anymore. We got to keep it, uh, keep it PG over here. Okay, I will not strike. mention my genitals anymore. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Rob, you finished the day at uh, day one, 8-1. Was your when you opened the pool? Was it uh, what was your initial reaction? I actually was, I was like cautiously optimistic. I'm like, you know what, this is pretty good. I I done about a dozen seals uh, on Moto in real life, and I didn't have, like the first thing I did when I opened the pool was went right to Hour of Devastation multicolored and saw if I had any gods or any boluses, which I did not. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, and it was it's kind of funny because I ended up playing three rares in my deck and none of them were really that great. Um, they were... I thought, like, my deck was was very solid. It's not one of those... It's not a bomby deck. It's not... It, it was just, like, blue and black. I had a free splash trial of zeal, which I actually never saw in the entire sealed. And that's probably 15 games. So that was, like, really unlikely. Um, 
but I just had I had good removal. I had some decent creatures, and it was just it was just a, a fine deck. It wasn't I, I wasn't gonna be greedy and say, "Oh man, I didn't open three gods." Like this is <laughs> this isn't gonna work. Like I'm just like you know what I got. I have what I need. I mean, I always tend to think about what I'm weak to. Like I I told myself, okay, well, I can't beat a nickel bolus in a million years. I had no counter spells in my pool. My deck wasn't really like an attacking deck. So if my opponent just slams like any planeswalker really on a board where I can't like do anything about it, I, I can't really uh, stop it. So, I mean, I knew that that was a possibility and it was probably going to happen in the later rounds. People tend to have planeswalkers and stuff like that, but I had, you know, I, I still had ways to win and I was, I was perfectly happy with the pool. Did you feel there were a lot of uh, Nicol Bolas? I, I felt uh, on Twitter at least, and maybe it was just Gerard Fabiano talking about how he started 5-0 and then lost to three straight Nicol Bolas decks. And then we had our, our, our friend, Andrew Norai, he, he had a Nicol Bolas deck in like the last round. He was against another player with Nicol Bolas. Were there, yeah. were there around you and did you just dodge them all or did you... No, uh, I went against two. I went against... Uh, there was one guy who... Uh, in round, I think it was round five or six, who uh, got me down to seven, and I was in the clear, and then he just played a bolus and shot me in the face, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so then I, I kind of thought, like, there were, I lost so many game ones, and <laughs> I find that this is something that happens, like, I, I, I'm kind of, like, reminiscent of, like, Alex Hayne and, like, Pro Tour, the top eight of Pro Tour Barcelona, when, like, he was like down at least one game every round except for the finals, I think. And like I felt that way in the top eight. And just throughout the day, I was losing a lot of game ones. And I'm just like, you know what? Like that, I'm just going to rally back. And like I always came back. And it was uh, just fantastic to like be rewarded for not like getting too emotional and, you know, punting games away and stuff like that. I'm just like, you know what? I lost. It's not a big deal. There's two more games. My deck is good. I feel like I'm playing well. Let's let's do this. And so yeah, my opponent nickel bullished me, and then the other two games, it was good. And uh, you know, I held I held it all together until I went against Andrew, <laughs> and uh, his his deck was the stuff of legends. And uh, it was uh, yeah, I wrote I wrote a lot about it in uh, in the article that uh, I'll probably send you tomorrow. But uh, it's uh, just a really great... Uh, I think, like, I, I was actually surprised and happy that I actually didn't go against any gods. Um, I had no real way to beat a god. I had Kefnet's last word was the only thing I could really do was steal it. But then even if, they, if I steal it and they kill it, they'll just get it back. So... It's not like the best, but I, I didn't see any any gods whatsoever. Except I think Andrew maybe played a scarab god when I was like already super dead, and he was just like curb stomping me against the pavement, and just like yeah, you know, I have a scarab god too. And yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think that. I mean, it's a sealed GP, especially at the at the high tables. You're going to have people with insane decks. Like my, in round nine, I went against somebody who had like Gideon and Crested Sunbare and Angel of um, Sanctions, and you know it happens. It's not, uh, it, but as long as you kind of like have a plan, then it works out. So you finished eight one. Uh, 
did you draft a lot on MTGO to prepare you for your draft? Did you have any archetypes, et cetera, game plan heading into day two? I I didn't really. Uh, I because I was kind of like I focused more on sealed because for a few reasons I like sealed makes a lot more sense on Magic Online because you don't have this because uh, when you draft leagues on Magic Online you play against a random deck so you're playing against just a, a random other deck in out of all the people who've drafted so you're not playing against somebody who's in your pod and so it kind of sucks and I, I don't really do a lot of real life drafting i had won a pptq a couple of weeks ago where i drafted uh i did a few drafts on magic online none of them really went well i did like six drafts i think and i'm pretty sure i only won one of them with like a blue red spells flyer deck um I was comfortable with like being more aggressive or tempo oriented because well the first thing I did when I when I um got up on Saturday or on Sunday was uh check uh, Kyoto because I wanted to see if any of my friends you know made top 8 or whatever and um so I see Finkel and Huey playing and I'm just like what the hell is going on they're playing these like green based like three to four color ramp decks like Huey's got all this minus one counter synergy Finkel's got like his hoopo going off and it was just like okay like I guess I don't really know what I'm doing and I mean I was just gonna play like a bunch of like three ones for two and attack and just like hope it works out and I did a lot of that (laughs) on Sunday and it, it did kind of work out but at the same time I feel like I feel like I was playing much better than my opponents, basically, except for uh, Andrew Cunio that I played. Uh, there were very few pros at this event. When I sat down in my second pod, I was feeling very confident that I, I didn't really know of any people except for uh, Mike Fernio, who was, who was passing to me. And uh, so, yeah, I just felt that it went... Uh, I didn't really have much of a plan. I really liked drafting blue-red, but at the same time, with the rares I was opening, things were like, my decks sort of were shaping out to be quite different. Uh, so, Rob, you, you, I think you mentioned that your round, your, your first draft didn't go too well, but when I ran into you for, for your second draft, you said your, your deck was another Butters. Yes. Right. That's exactly what happened. By the way, when I said, uh, when, I said uh, when I was talking about playing better than my opponents, I meant like the rounds, not like the top eight or anything. The top eight, I, I did not play very well. But anyways, um, yes, uh, the first, because the story of the first draft is um, I'm in a pod with five people I don't know, and sitting to my left is Andrew Cunio, and sitting to my right is Edgar Michalas. And they are both very good. And like Edgar, I talk to him all the time about formats. He's a really smart guy. He really knows a lot about stuff. Uh, um, because I, I feel like it's, it's hard to put in the time to like draft and sealed a ton. Like I go to work and then I come home and I tend to do stuff with my girlfriend and like, I, I'll, I might have time for a draft or a sealed, like maybe like two to three times a week on moto. So we were sitting down at this pod and, uh, I think Edgar and Andrew, like were familiar with each other and they were chatting and, and and I think Andrew asked Edgar, like, oh, so how many drafts do you have under your belt? And Edgar was like, I don't know, like about 30. And I was like, wow, like, 
where do you find the time? And Andrew turns to me and he says, you think that's a lot? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I am in trouble. <laughs> so anyways, that draft, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like what happened was I opened, I opened Crested Sunmare, who's uh, the horse bro. He, uh, whenever you gain life, you can get a, get a free horse. So I opened that. And then Edgar was passing to me. And you'd think some people think, well, sitting between two really good players, like that kind of sucks. But I mean, it's it's actually probably more likely a good thing because they're not going to screw with you. They're going to send you the right signals. They're not going to misevaluate cards and stuff like that. Like I was talking to Edgar later and he was telling me that the people who were passing to him were all over the place. He didn't know what was going on. So, but I knew where I was at and where I was at was that I'm, Owned <laughs> because I got the Crested Sunmare and then and then um, Edgar passes me Resolute Survivors. I'm like, okay, Red White Exert is a deck I can get behind. Uh, this thing gains life, so I might be able to get some horses. Uh, so let's let's do it. And then basically after that, I didn't see any good cards <laughs> for the rest of the draft. It was um, it was just brutal. I didn't see open fire. I didn't see puncturing blast. I didn't see Kenra scrapper, just like a whole lot of nothing. So, but it's kind of weird because I, I tend to be pretty good at abandoning the colors. Like this was actually the only draft that I played my first pick. Um, usually like if I had seen, you know, a torment of venom or like aerial guides or, or something like I would have been like, okay, like, or ambuscade or whatever. I, I was like, okay, I, maybe I can switch, but I really didn't see much. And so I thought maybe like, okay, maybe the packs are just dry and you know, it happens. So I'm getting like just a bunch of like grizzly bears and like two threes for three and just like very, very medium cards, no removal, like anywhere at all. Um, and it's just, uh, so pack two, I start getting like, I get like a Burning Fist Minotaur, I get a Fervent Pain Caster, I get like some, some decent stuff, but I still see zero removal. I just see like, you know, once again, no open fires, no puncturing blasts. Like, I, didn't, I don't even think I saw Blur of Blades. Like, it was just like bad. Um, so then I, I, I get look at my deck, I'm like, okay, like I got... That the resolute survivors that I picked was the only way to gain life in my deck besides a solitary camel that I had, and I had two deserts. And I actually ended up cutting one of the deserts because I had a crypt of the eternal, which sounds just awful. It's like a colorless land that is like it can technically filter my red, but like not really. I'm like, okay, I have like two and a half ways to gain life with this horse. So I don't know. I don't even know if that was right. Like it might have been correct to have two deserts on the camel instead of like you know. But anyways, uh, so this whole tournament was rigged. By the way, I round one I always played against a friend, and two out of three times it was the person passing to me on my right. Um, so this time I went against Edgar, and I was like. I just sat down. I'm like, well, whatever. Like, if I lose, like, at least it's to somebody I know. It's a friend. Like, I was, like, really not feeling confident, but I wasn't going to, you know, let it get to me. So, like, I go turn one planes. He goes turn one planes. 
I go turn one mountain and I play like a jackal grizzly bear. And then he draws. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this would, this was, this, this is what happened. And then he played a mountain and played Nefcrop, Nefcrop and Tangler. That's the other thing. In the Amonkhet pack, I saw no exert guys. I saw no entanglers, no Gus walkers, no compulsory rests, like none of the premium red or white stuff. I just got like the filler, like Thresher lizards and Manticore of the Gauntlet and just like very, very medium cards. Um, so game one, uh, basically I got stuck on three lands and he just totally ranched me and I was like, okay, I'm like whatever. I figured this deck was like an 03 or a 1 2, so it's, it's like fine, you know? So game two, we actually, it's actually back and forth. And then I get, um, I start like hitting him pretty hard with, I don't really remember the game too well, but I remember the unconventional tactics did a lot of work. And that card, like, that's like close to my MVP of the week. Like, that, I had it in both my drafts, and I didn't think it was good. Like, it's, it's like, Uh, what was it called angelic blessing is what it used to be called but now it has like the zombie buyback thing um Mm -hmm. and uh that card like there's a lot of board stalls and there's not very there's not really many ways to deal with flying just in general in the format like stinging shot is only in one pack and there's like less people tend to not play giant spider and like the flyers are all pretty small so um so yeah i was able to jump over him most of the time and game three um, that fervent paincaster that I got just did all the work because he he had a lot of X one in his X ones in his deck. He had like Necrop and Tangler and Retcrop Spearmaster and like uh, just a bunch of a bunch of X ones. Like I think I think that the paincaster probably four for one them and dealt him a bunch of extra damage. He was never able to kill it. Um, I also got my Resolute Survivors out so that when I would exert, I would also gain life and ping him. So it was like, it was really sweet. And, you know, we got, we got, it was stalemate situation and I eventually pulled ahead and I was like, Hey, okay, I won. Like, that's kind of cool, but it sucks that Edgar lost and uh, hopefully he can like rally back to a two one, which he did. Uh, Cause like both our decks were like kind of medium, but I feel like the, the pod was just like the packs maybe were a little bit weaker or, you know, something along those lines so afterwards uh the next round i went against a guy who like i'm pretty sure was stoned uh and he had like a he 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 was wearing like a hoodie that was like it had like an ad for like a a weed store on it or something and he was like i mean he played fine but it was just i just thought it was funny um and he he had a a black green deck that was splashing stand strangler and like every card he played was very good he played like dream stealer he like put a cartouche on it he sand stranglered my guy uh but once again i was able to force through like game one i had to two for one myself on turn uh, i think on turn four i just had to like attack into a soul stinger i'm just like i had i had like two three twos and i'm like i don't really i can't really do anything with this in play i just have to smash my guys into it and two for one myself but i forced through enough damage to like get the board back i like played manticore the gauntlet to just dome them for three and then once again unconventional tactics i just like jumped my guys and was able to get him um wow Wow, rob so did you finish this like pot three or or is this going to end in a two one? Oh no, this is going to end in me getting one hundred percent destroyed by Andrew Cunio. We <laughs> like we did not play magic because my deck was all like 
two twos and three ones, and his deck was just walls and like flyers, and his deck was just very very good, and uh, I really felt like I had no chance. And like I said, he he probably drafted this format, drafted this format a hundred times, and really knows what's going on. And he he's like every time I saw him play, he just has like fifty, like he has just so many deserts. Like he's got like desert. He's cycling, and he's just got so many deserts and deserts in play. And I'm not good enough to draft deserts. Uh, I I actually did the tally today, and in my three decks, I had a total of four deserts. And all of my decks had cards where deserts like mattered. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Uh... So yeah, basically, uh, the the guy I played in the second round, game two was pretty similar to the first game. Uh, I did two zero him, and it was. I, I felt like after that, I'm like, man, I'm like two zero with this like pile of garbage. Like this is amazing. And then I went against Cunio, and like, there's nothing really to tell he just like completely de- demolished me i think i think i dealt him like two damage in the match um, yeah. um i just yeah. want to jump on something uh you said uh earlier i'll, I'll turn to brian brian i think you drafted more when we last talked about your preparation for gp toronto and i just like threw you on the spot about what takeaways you can come up with i wanted your thoughts on what you th- think of what rob said in terms of focusing more on sealed and draft online because the draft didn't replicate uh, the real life experience. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, d- I definitely understand where he's coming from. It's not something that I generally do because I just feel like you're kind of a slave to a lot more variance and sealed. Like there's there's some pools you simply can't under- overcome, like my pool this weekend, which uh, I I Vince said it was the worst pool he'd ever seen in any format ever. Wow. I played I That's played edition sealed, so I'm not going to go that far. I remember decks that had like. <laughs> a mana clash and a psychic phantom as my win conditions. So it does get worse, <laughs> but not much worse. Um, so I'd rather, I'd rather focus more on draft. This isn't say, to say I ignore sealed, but I think a lot of the fundamentals of sealed carry over a lot more format to format uh, than the fundamentals of draft do. So in a, you know, in a, in a state where you have limited preparation time, I choose to prioritize my draft results. Now, that being said, the last three limited GPs I've played I haven't made it through the sealed phase. Um, and then the one before that where I did make it through the sealed phase, I did 6-0 and, and top 8, but like I have to get through the sealed pool before I can start drafting. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Rob has the right approach here because... Uh, well, you know, I think that it actually has a lot to do with what your goals are because I did not go to GP Toronto with the goal of winning GP Toronto. That was like... The fact that it happens that it happens still blows my mind. My goal was to go there and like make day two. And like if I'm in cash, like wow, like great, you know? Like I'm <laughs> what the- I, I sell myself short in a lot of these things. I mean I, I, I don't like especially since that that uh, room was absent of a lot of pros, I would say I was probably better than like a large majority of the field but there was definitely a lot of people there who like were as good or better than me like super easily and so for me yeah i agree with limited prep time if you're like if if let's say i was chasing pro points then yeah i would have definitely prioritized draft but me i was just like a scrub with three pro points that i got for showing up to hawaii and uh like i just wanted to go and play a sealed deck tournament and like have some fun like that was that was the goal 
And See, I, th I think it goes the other way though, because if you're chasing pro points, then like you just need to get into the draft phase, right? Like you, you have to clear that barrier. So it's worth it to put all your time into sealed because you're looking to get like three pro points or, you know, some number of pro points. That's what you care about is the takeaway of pro points. Whereas when I go to a tournament, I, I don't care unless I win. Like that's my goal every time I go to a tournament. So it's like yeah. getting a min cash would do stone nothing for me. So when I get to day two, I want to be in a position to win the yeah. entire tournament. Well, that's definitely like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like I practiced a decent amount, but like, yeah, I, I definitely understand like what you're saying. Maybe it's just like my, I was losing a lot of draft and I like playing moto and I like just like cracking booster packs and stuff. I found sealed was just, maybe it's just a more fun thing. Like I play moto less about testing and more about just like, like I kind of feel like I'm not. Cause I, when I went to Hawaii with Dan Lantier, he, he always would tell me like that. It's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect. Practice makes perfect. And it's just like when I'm playing Moto, I'm not really paying attention to what I'm doing. I'm usually just like <laughs> my brain is on autopilot. I'm not like I'll open a sealed pool. I'll go sort by rarity and I'll build my pool in like a minute and a half. And I'll just be like, here's 23 cards that I like and I'm just going to play. And that's partly because on Moto, you can do that. But in real life, they give you all this time to make the deck and submitting it early doesn't do anything. So I, I did spend a lot more time with my Toronto pool and I'm, I'm pretty happy that I like made most of the correct choices from what I, from the people I spoke to, I may have, there was a little bit of a debate, which I thought was interesting uh, with um, hour of eternity. I had like, Everyone telling me either this card is unplayable garbage or this card is insane or, you know, whatever. Because I, I, I had, I left it in my sideboard because I had an X spell already, which was Torment of Hailfire, which did a lot of work this weekend and was great. But at the same time, my deck wasn't really an aggressive deck. So there was actually a game where I like drew for my turn, played a land. I went Torment of Hailfire for six. My opponent was like, okay, I'll take 18 draw kill you I'm like oh okay you know that didn't work out very well but if it had been hour of promise i may have gotten some four fours and or hour of eternity whatever gotten some four fours maybe been able to come back in the game and so i think that that, that may have been an error but i mean you'd have to ask somebody who like has more experience with the format than me all right um actually why don't we just talk about it? rob other Rob, my man Rob Lombardi. What do you think of Hour of Eternity? I think that it is not a bomb. It's just like medium good. Usually it's a five mana four four. If you it's have like some good ETB stuff, it's okay. It could be but, an air elemental, basically. Like you could just yeah. cycle like a flyer and or something. Yeah, like it's I like um Riverwinder Serpent or like Sand yeah. Strangler, like something sweet, right? Um, that was but, the problem. Most of my most of my uh, guys were just like walls. Like you know, I, I got a four yeah. four defender. Like great. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not great there. I, I've played it a like I've had it in way more of my sealed pools online than would be statistically normal, I guess. And it's always been like just okay when you cast it for seven, you feel like pretty good about it. But like for seven mana. You can cast Bolus, and Bolus is like just yeah. so much better than getting two random four fours from your graveyard if you if you happen to have them, right? Yeah, um, I never got to cast it for nine or anything like that. So, 
Yeah, I know. It, if my deck was already majorly blue and I had a bunch of creatures, I, I would obviously play it, but I wouldn't uh, bend my deck towards trying to abuse it or anything like that. Okay, one sec. Like, I agree that, that our fraternity is not great, but did you just try to say it wasn't great because on seven bolus is better? Because that's like... No, no, when you're, spending, when you're spending seven mana, like, you want to, you want to basically win the sure. game, like, a large percentage of the time. And, like, a card like that that's, like, it's not good at five mana, right? You have to have a card in your graveyard, and it just makes a five mana four four. It's like it's not really like a steal right. going on there, right? <laughs> so like seven mana is really what the card should cat. Like when you put it in your deck, you're like, this is a seven mana card, and it just doesn't perform like a seven mana card. Like you do get you get flexibility with it. Yeah, sure, I agree, but there's just like a lot better things you can do if you can make a lot of mana. Um, it's just yeah, I don't know. It just looks like it's going to be insane, right? <laughs> it's not. It's not though, <laughs> but it's playable. It's definitely playable. Yeah, I figured like uh, Torment of Hailfire did a lot of work. Like yeah, that card is great. Like um, it is better. It's kind of like weird because it's like it's better in an aggressive deck, but at the same time you need a lot of mana, so it's like a little bit of like a double edged sword. But my deck, like I had aggressive draws. Like I had, I could like play Wretched Camel into Lord of the Accursed into Accursed Horde. I had Plague. Uh, what's his name? Plague Belcher. In like Doom to Center, like there were a lot of games that I actually won quite quickly just by aggroing my opponent out, and I had like double lethal staying and just really like solid removal. So it's possible that you know Torment was the right call, but who knows? Um, Brian, let's wrap up your your Saturday. So I, I was talking to you, you, worst pool ever, and then I told you you were getting teased by people not showing up, giving you hope to day two and uh, <laughs> crash and burn. As yeah, I was uh, like, I had a stretch where one of my opponents was late and like got a game loss, and I beat him. And then my next opponent showed up, and he's like, "I just had my deck stolen, so you get to win that <laughs> one." So I was, I was like three and one at one point. The dream. Yeah. At the same time, I know, like, I'm just being set up for disappointment. But I will say, I was actually, I mean, this is kind of a silly thing for someone who's been playing Magic a long time to say, but I, I was proud of the way I kind of played on the day. A lot of times when I, you know, have even just a suboptimal pool, not even one as, as dismal as this, I kind of check out a little bit. Um, but in this case, I really like, I really fought. Um, you know, I had like four different theoretical builds and they were all just awful. Like you'd look at them and you're like, how could this ever win? But so was my main build. So like I was thinking of different scenarios where I could potentially utilize all these different builds to maybe somehow squeak out a win. Um, and just like, I don't know, I, I felt so comfortable in draft. I really wanted to make day two. So I, I did a nice job of, battling but uh i said that i probably got a little lucky to even make it to four and four with as bad as my pool was so <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm curious now i'd like to, I'd like to see it I know, <laughs> uh let's go straight to vince i mean your your saturday didn't go as well either it started well but uh tell yeah. us how it went. Yeah. well it started off really it started well on friday because i ended up getting two buys right before the tournament started in a last in a last chance trial which was nice um and then, what did you be in the finals of the oh, last chance? Uh, I forget. I, beat, I just I forget. Beat, I, I, I think it was Doug or something. Yeah, it was a Doug. It was a Doug. It wasn't a Rob. It was a Doug. No, I beat Doug in the finals. But now we've set a new precedent. I beat Doug in the finals of a last chance trolley top eight to GP. So maybe we'll just continue to do that, Doug. Um, anyway, so Saturday came around and I opened my pool and it was like Hour of Devastation and a bunch of really bad like 15 to 23rd picks for a draft 
for commons and uncommons and a wildfire eternal. I was like, all right, so I guess I'm playing Hour of Devastation and a bunch of green 4-4s. Four um, Combo. Spoiler alert, yeah, they don't work so well. <laughs> um, I started off 4-0, or I guess 2-0, because I had two buys, um, and then just started getting rolled by people who were playing real cards. Um, yeah, I, was, I mean, I, I feel like my situation was kind of like Brian Light in every regard. Like, my deck wasn't the worst deck I've ever seen, but it was really bad. And I also really wanted to day two because I felt like I had a good understanding of the draft format. Probably not as well as Brian, but I still felt like I had a reasonable chance of at least like five winning if I could day two. Um, but that pool was very medium. The, the one thing I will say that I was really proud of was being able to sneak an hour of devastation at, in, at instant speed with wildfire eternal and then following it up with a six, four. That was like the highlight of my, wow. my day. That felt good. I still lost that game, obviously, because <laughs> that's, that's life, but you know, still felt good when I did it. <laughs> sad, sad uh, day. Uh, because, because of the strong start, I, I thought, I thought you were going to make it. Uh, Dag. I did too. I was feeling, I was like, Oh man, maybe I'm an idiot. And my pool's great. And I'm just going to ride my way to a nine. and then reality came crashing and I ended up five, four. So, mm. Yeah. All right, let's let's get to YOLO with Ro- Rolo before we, we get to Doug. Uh, X1 for you. Looks like you had a chance to defend your title there. I didn't X1, I X2. Oh, X2. I forgot you had X1. Yeah, I'll never let that happen again. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually very close to X1-ing. I think um, if I would have probably sat down and looked at my deck with the team uh, right away. Uh, I, I might have been able to X1. Like, I, I lost to a deck that was, like, pretty a pretty good red-black removal deck, and I had, like, a reasonable red-green, like, pump, sp- pump spells, fling, like, very good curve, good removal um, base. So, like, I aggroed a lot of people out, and that was my game one deck, and I won a lot of my game ones throughout the day. But, like, against the red-black removal deck, it's, like, just not really what you want, right? They kill all of your stuff, then just start playing fatter creatures, and they usually have, like, some ridiculous bomb. Like, I played against Scorpion God and Archfiend, like, three rounds in a row. Jeez. So uh, I managed to squeeze out two of those wins, mostly to my opponents getting mana screwed or having greedier mana bases than they really need to, given the bombs that they had in their deck. Um, but I still... I had a very good control deck in my sideboard that was, like, four colors not green. It was playing triple mana lift. And uh, Vince helped me put it together, and we got to a configuration that is was close enough to correct that I, I felt like it was probably a better choice to start anyways uh, than my red-green deck, and I sided into it for the rest of the day after round five. It was like very, very good against the other control decks. I just rolled them. Unfortunately, in round nine, I didn't get to play Magic. I just mulled to three. I got no landers the whole way down. <laughs> wow. And I got, I got rolled by a control deck in game one, because my red-green deck was like not you know set up to beat them and then like i did play magic in game two unfortunately but i felt like i was probably favored uh if i get to play some lands and spells <laughs> so yeah day one was okay though i think though i i probably could have came out of the day x1 so i was a little bit disappointed okay and in, in draft how did it go train wrecks yeah pretty much pretty much so i opened uh like open fire and got past like sifter room to sifter room uh draft one um ended up with like a pretty good uh red green uh, ramp deck. Uh, I I multi five twice in the first round uh, against a zombies deck that just kind of like took advantage of it, and I was like one card away from being able to like just 
take over the game in in both game one and game two. <laughs> so that, that was unfortunate in in game two and game three of those drafts. I just like drew drew normally uh, didn't mulligan. My opponents also had like uh, you know reasonable draws, but my deck was like very high power level. Um, I was able to ramp into Sifter Worm like pretty pretty regularly. I had like some good red, red removal to back it up. So the deck was pretty sweet. Uh, in draft two, I got past a third. I first picked Pride Sovereign, and I I third picked Bantu's Last Reckoning, and fifth picked Bane Whip Punisher, and I took like a, a Sifter Worm and like a Oasis Ritualist and a Bitter Bow Sharpshooters like somewhere in the first six or seven picks as well. So I was like, oh, sweet. Like, this is, like, a pretty good green-black base. So I'll just, like, take some ramp cards and, and kind of fill out this deck. And so, like, some green and black filler come. Pack twos, like, looks kind of weak on green and black, but, like, there's cards. There's, like, Lethal Sting, some other sharpshooters, um, some ramp spells, like, whatever. It, it seems okay. Uh, and then pack three, like, literally zero green and black playables. Actual actually zero. So my deck ended up like a literal train wreck. I had like two anointer priests, an on crop crasher, and like some other like a cast out or some some other garbage white cards in my deck that didn't need to be there. And I like did not have the payoffs to have like such a greedy, uh, like a greedy a spell set or whatever. And like I asked, so I played against Brian Lou who's passing to me, and he's just like, yeah, I just like went into green after, <laughs> and then like the guy like two down was just like, oh yeah, I like you know. I opened Nickel Bolas and I didn't know where I wanted to be, and I just like, yeah, I just like decided to go into black. I was like, ugh. He's like, oh, you know, I opened Damnation too. <laughs> so I got to play against both of them. Actual Damnation. Of, yeah, actual Damnation. Not last. I opened the, I think actual it's the Round one and round two. So Brian just like beat me with a green white aggro deck. Like my, I don't know, my deck was terrible. I just like, there's just no hope. The the second guy, the guy that took Damnation. He's, like, stuck on six lands, and I think that he has bolus because he has Grixis mana. So I just, like, empty my hand onto the board. I have, like, 12 lands in play or something. I play, like, Sifter Worm, and the next turn I play, like, Bitterbow Sharpshooters into, like, the 5-6 Hippo. He just untaps and casts Damnation. I was like, come on, really? <laughs> I was like, You're, like, how do you have these cards? The Bontus Reckoning came right through you. He's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I just decided to go to black later or whatever. Oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I should have. The, the moral of the story is like, I was preaching force blue red because it's always open, and then I just like didn't do it. I got like allured by the power level of the green cards that I saw, and it blew me out like both times. I should have just forced blue red. It was open in, in both of my drafts, too. Like, I would have had at least three Spellweaver Eternals both times, and that's literally all you need. All right. So, yeah. Anyways, take your own advice, kids. That's uh, usually a good spot to be. Or take Rob and Brian and Vince's <laughs> advice. Let's, yeah. go to, let's go to Doug, who, who did just that uh, to continue his streak of being the hottest GP Toronto player ever. The streak continues, by the way. We literally, as, as I think Brian was telling his story, looked at my Planeswalker points, and it turns out I'm a bronze-level pro, I just found out. I didn't even know I had any pro points other than three from Kaladesh, so what the heck? Street awesome. <laughs> what? It's all upside. It's all, all upside this weekend. <laughs> Super sick. Uh, Douglas, you start with your day one. When you opened your pool, how did it look? Yeah, so I um, I'd done two seals of this format prior. One of them was the day before in a trial where I got Glorybringer and some 5-3 Sphinx with the Cure ability and just like rolled three opponents and then rolled over against Vince. Um, so I opened my pool and I lay it out and I... 
at first I had this red white aggro deck and kind of like what Rob Anderson was saying where on Moto you just like kind of put 23 cards you want to play and click submit. I basically did that and even like pulled out my land box and like laid out the lands and everything. And then I was like, I really didn't give enough credit to the green, I think, because it didn't have a big payoff. I had some really good payoffs in red and white. All my removal were in white and I had Oketra. And so I decided to just kind of lay out the green. Um, and it looked pretty decent. I was pretty happy with this green white deck and I decided to splash the red removal. And then when I'm getting ready to write down the list, I kind of look over to the left and I'm like, oh, wait, I have some gold cards as well. <laughs> so I realize I have a green white 4-4 that's uh, uncommon and a green red 3-3 that's uncommon, as well as the red white 3-3 that's uncommon. I don't actually know any of the names of these cards, but uh, so I, I put it all together and now I'm starting to get hyped. I like my deck. It looks like exactly what I want to do in sealed for every sealed format I've ever played. I'm very excited. I'm, I normally don't get too confident in limited that I'm going to go 8-1 or anything like that. But as I'm looking at this pool, I'm actually thinking this is an 8-1 deck. I have so much removal that I decided to start a green, green cartouche in the sideboard because I have two Amberscades and I just didn't want to lose to unsummons because I know there's like multiple common unsummons in, in, between the two sets and there's uncommon unsummons as well. And I didn't want to get blown out by green cartouching when I already had cast out Deemworthy, Electrify, two Amberscades um open fire so i love my deck and i sent it to the group chat and i was really hyped about it and i posted it on my local forum and basically everyone was telling me this deck is not amazing in this format like rob told me he thought maybe it was a 7-2 deck um everyone told me i misbuilt it um some of the choices i made and so it was a little disheartening but you know i didn't really practice for this format at all so when they told me the cuts that they would make, I blindly followed them every round. Um, and funnily enough, I didn't lose a single game one all day, but I lost multiple game twos. I think I lost like five game twos. So who knows who ended up being right on the uh, original configuration. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I actually honestly think, and this may sound like a crazy hot take, but I do think part of my success this weekend was because I lost the finals of the trial events. And the reason why is because every single round, my opponent casts cards that I didn't know existed. I'm not making that up. In day one, every single round, I was reading cards that my opponents had cast that I was like, wow, that's an uncommon that I should definitely think about in future rounds. Or, wow, plus three, plus three, flying, and you can bring a lot of zombies? Didn't know that card existed. Gotta make sure I don't like get blown out by that. It's a sorcery. And every round, I'm learning more cards from round two to round nine, which is kind of embarrassing, honestly. Um, but that was just the reality of my situation. And all I had to go with was what I knew and the fundamentals of magic. And in fact, I actually think I played tighter at this limited GP than I ever have before. And part of it was because I had to sit there and really think about what I had seen earlier in the day, as opposed to the autopilot that I often play. And when you play on autopilot, you make a lot more mistakes. So I definitely played slower than I've ever played in any GP in my life, including last year's Toronto. I played quite deliberately. Uh, which hopefully I'll start to do again in the future when I even know the cards <laughs> more deliberately. <laughs> it was completely intentional. Um, I beat you only for this so that you would top it. I knew I needed the, the extra time to, to read <laughs> all the cards. That. So. What a saint, um, man. Just, I'm a, you know, a martyr, really. He's the craziest thing for me, too, that just shouldn't happen, I don't think. Well, maybe it should in Sealed. But my hardest opponent, the guy who played the best and kind of danced me around a little bit, was the first round opponent. 
And then I'd say the next hardest opponent I played was round four. And the next hardest was round um, three. So like my first three matches I played were some of my hardest matches all day. And as the day went on, I was playing against people with better and better decks that were playing worse and worse and just like making stupid plays. Like one guy didn't attack when I had a 1-1, a 1-3, and Oketra, and I was tapped out. And he had a bunch of like four threes. He just didn't attack. And I'm like, oh, he thinks my Oketra is live, but you can't actually block with it yet. So he just didn't know how it worked. And another guy like edifice my creature, gave my creature plus three plus three flying, uh, tapped out to sack my desert to pump my team alpha. And I was like, okay, I go to one. And he's like, wait, oh, shoot, I miscounted. And then I untapped and killed him. Like, these were happening in the later rounds. Um, even my last round opponent made some, like, he open-fired one of my tokens to make my O'Catcher not be able to attack, and then I just made another token, and then I attacked. Uh, it was just weird stuff that was happening at Edo. The gifts. The actual oh, gifts. <laughs> um, but I, I think it might be because, like, that guy's deck was just super bomby, super consistent with red. I played against a lot of bombs. I... I did beat gods. Uh, Sammy T had given me a sideboard strategy of bringing in black uh, final reward only, and it showed me exactly how to configure it uh, to kill a god. And I had this game where I played Oketra. He cast out in my Oketra. I cast cast out on his cast out. And then he untapped and excitedly slammed Locust God. And I just showed him the final reward in my hand, and that got me the handshake to 9 0. So, you know, it was pretty crazy, but um, I was very lucky. I drew very well all day. My mana really didn't punish me, and I got a lot of free gifts from opponents, so I've never run that hot, ever, in a day one. The God Pharaoh's gift. God Pharaoh's gift. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, like, when when we were talking to you, uh, you were, like, telling me all these stories at the end of day one, and unlike Rob, did you execute the team's game plan for, for day two and, so, and correctly? I, I talked to Sammy and he told me his opinion was forced blue, period. Blue is the nut. And you really want to prioritize the blue Aven and then unquenchable thirst and then unsummon is like your top three. And then when I talked with these guys, their strategy that I had surmised from reading a group chat and seeing all of their posts of their decks was basically the red based and the red blue specifically was just unbelievable but i did see a really good blue white deck that brian had posted that was kind of similar to to what sammy said so i told myself i wasn't quite as deep as i'm going to force blue red i had kind of decided i really want to be red based but really only red blue maybe red black aggro or blue blue white but really i was just like if i see the right cards for blue red i'm just forcing it and definitely it looked like i forced it considering i played it three times but <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was willing to ble- be the blue-white super aggressive deck as well if it broke that way, where I'm like mainly blue. I was willing to do that. And actually, in all of my pools, if you looked at my sideboard, I had a few really good white cards because in the early picks of the draft, I was just taking the blue pick order and then the next best red or white card and then making sure that it came to me in pack two. And it always came that the red came. So then it always ended up blue-red all three drafts. Hmm. How do you get into this uh, sweet group chat you keep talking about where people tell you how to play? You, you host uh, a podcast together. You either, you either become a, a permanent host, <laughs> if you're a permanent uh, host on the podcast. Or join the Patreon. Or you join the Patreon, because a lot of this came from our group. If you pay, uh, pay and join the Patreon of the First Strike podcast, you just get to join the First Strike Nation. And all these deck lists that I'm referring to were openly posted in the First Strike Nation with a plethora of discussion from Brian, Rob, and Vince, as well as... Rob, they, they tried to record a video, but the video crapped out. So they just yeah, gave, thanks, this, they gave this long, like 10 point kind of breakdown on the format, which I just, I, I 
followed. I like studied it. I was like memorizing it the morning of day two. <laughs> Everything that these guys have said, I was just like repeating it in my head so that as I sat down, um, the visuals helped a lot better because I couldn't remember any card names. So like seeing the deck lists really helped because I could be like, oh, right. That was that deck list that had like three copies of that blue two one guy. I'm going to take a lot of them in the top eight and I ended up with four. So yeah. I feel like some people that were winners were very lucky to be winners given what Doug drafted in top eight. That's just my wait, wait, bias, are you talking bias, about me? bias opinion, me? maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you were playing X ones and I heard Doug had three blur of blades, but anyways, <laughs> I think you only registered two though. I sideboarded in the other one. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the top eight, but yeah, I have a lot to say about that for sure. <laughs> Uh, Doug, would you say the three uh, blue red decks that you drafted were they similar in strength, no, or did you feel they were so good different? Okay. It's crazy how deep blue red is. My first one was like not great. Um, it was fine, but it didn't have the prowess stuff at all. Um, I lost a capsized buyback, which kind of sucked. Uh, and then the other guy, I oh, how how did he have all the mana for capsize? Oh yeah, he had all the mana to keep buying it back because he was playing our spoiler card. The oh. gilded lotus thing he bricked up until he was now able to tap it for three a turn. Pyramid of the Pantheon. To start just like, and he had the what? archer out. So every turn he was just like, capsize buyback, take one. Capsize buyback, take one. And I'm staring at the like mind control sorcery and I was like, huh. So if I mind control a creature, not only does he just bounce it back, but I also don't get to untap next turn. And I only have four land in play. This, this is not going to work, boys. <laughs> the natural predator. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then the second deck was like, when I sat down, I had a similar situation Rob just discussed in his, where on my left was GP winner and a very good friend of mine, Tyler Bloom, who uh, he's a great player. And it kind of sucked because I was number one in our pod. Like I was the first based on tiebreakers. I was at the top and he was number eight. He was the lowest tiebreakers. So if either of us had like 0.5% on either end, we would have dodged pods and maybe could have both top aided. So we were a little disappointed. And of course, I'm passing to him. And what happens? We play in the very first round. It's like the exact story Rob Henderson just described with Edgar. Um, but Tyler and I cooperated as good as two human beings can cooperate. It was like down to like third last pick. And he's passing me incredible blue and red cards in pack two. And I'm passing him every single possible green and white card. We just were not hating from each other. It was almost like this unspoken... You know, if you read the signal correctly, because we didn't talk prior, he didn't even know my strategy. Um, but if you read my signal correctly, you will get everything late and we'll both have the deck that could 3 out, and the other guy will probably 2-1. Like, that's kind of just our unspoken, like, we didn't need to say anything, but, like, that's kind of what happened as far as our deck quality. And that deck didn't have the prowess tricks. It was just a great blue-red deck. And then the top eight deck ended up being 14 land... Uh, I only registered four total cards that cost three or more, two three drops and two five drops. And then every single other card was a one or a two drop. So it was kind of like the blue-red prowess combo, which I'd seen Brian post an iteration of saying it felt like the most busted deck. And I, I really feel like I had a great version of it today. I just, before dinner, I just needed to know. So I sat there goldfishing the deck a bunch just to kind of see how it actually plays out. <laughs> stuff this deck can do is just bananas like decks can't beat some of the draws this deck can have your deck was a 9.5 i i was so confident you had won the gp when you showed it to me it was 
by far the best version of that archetype I had seen. And it okay. was like, I, I did misbuild it. I did misbuild it though, by <laughs> at least two cards we've also discussed, but yeah, no, I agree. That deck was short, short tangent on, on Brian's point. Cause I definitely agree with his statement. I was in a side cause judge like I made top eight. I was like, okay, well I need to go force blue red to prove to myself that I'm an idiot. <laughs> and so I joined some <laughs> stupid side draft. I just wow. I was like, I need to know that it's forcible because I could have just forced it every time for sure. I'm like, I just wanted to know that I'm an idiot. That's all I wanted to know. Wow. I just want to confirm that. I love the so story. I jump in this draft and uh, I, I open up a pack with like Heartbreaker Kenra Foil and Mystic Miriarch is a mythic, right? And that, that card's like insane. Um, and I was like, man, all day I've been taking like this sweet green mythic type card. And uh, I'm just uh, no. I said I was gonna force blue red, so I just pa- I just pass it right. Oh, did I call it heartbreaker? Damn it, Vince got me. It's Earthshaker. Um, I still don't know what it is. Oh, it's just a just carry on. Yeah, okay, <laughs> it's, a, it's a rare red internalized card. Oh, the two one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I just I passed the green mythic and I forced blue red, and my deck is also like a nine. It, it was. <laughs> It was like perfect. I, it I don't, was know. Very I don't know if I would change another card. And the guy to my right is also in blue red. And we like, you know, you, just a casual draft. So we're just like building our pools in front of everyone, right? And he looks at my deck. He's just like, I feel so bad for you. And I was like, why? He's like, your deck's just so much worse than mine. And he's got like, you know, I passed some ominous finks and some other five drops or whatever. And I'm like, your deck is like a six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my deck is a very close to a 10. I have a hundred percent certainty that I'll just six zero this draft. It's just yeah, the twos and even the ones like playing the crashes when you have yeah, the prowess creatures like free value. People weren't taking the crash. I got it in pack two. I think I got it like with three cards left, with five cards left, and with six cards left. It was just three crashes that like there was nothing else I could take really. Yeah, but they're just here. You go now. Your deck has gone up all these free points. Yeah, it's a sweet wheel. It's a sweet wheel. You didn't worry about taking it, and I, I like I did. I made a pick in pack three, which. Instantly, Rob Snap said, you're wrong. But then we talked about it a little more today, and it's like, maybe it was even right. I actually passed, help me out, the Red God. Hazret. I passed Hazret in pack three, because I was only on nine creatures at the time, and like everything else I needed. And there was a... Nef Crop and Tangler. Nef Crop and Tangler um, in the pack. So I just, I knew I was going to be on like 14 land. So I just decided to take the Nef Crop and Tangler and pass the Hazret. Might have been wrong. Like, I'm not just justifying. I think, it's super actually, close. I, think, I think you're quite right. But yeah, it's it, super close. You're, 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 either way, it's not egregious. It's not. Either way. And, and not, people are taking all these, like, great, like, expensive cards. But, like, when we're doing this synergy strategy, like, you just hone into what you're doing. And then I think when I took uh, the 1-3 the prowess, it was over yet another really good um, blue five drop some or six drop some kind of sphinx something that was like really good i don't even know but i was just like no this is what my deck needs to be doing and uh yeah so that was very different all three decks were very different they all were very good i mean if i didn't lose capsize buyback and then the other guy i did an alpha to raff his whole board when he had like the overrun in his hand so i kind of had to do the alpha he was at like two life and i was at like four and he just untaps draws haste crocodile kill you so like I didn't really have another option, and I'd bricked on land for three turns when I had him just like dead. So, I mean, even then I probably could have even three would that pod. Um, blue red is so good. Yeah, the deck is insane. Yeah, so so, good. so I, I did six. Uh, well, I followed the pod, and I I played uh, one of the people that were in my car in the last round, Rob Barsky, who's part of the nation, and I, we just we just chopped the finals. But um, I told the guy that was mocking me for how bad my deck was that. <laughs> 
that my build just won the GP. And Doug, like, may have not even been finished drafting yet. <laughs> oh, no, you were finished drafting. You, you, sorry, you, you probably hadn't started even playing yet is what I meant to say. I'd come up and shown Rob my deck, like, as well, and he, like, looked at it and was like, wow, congratulations on your trophy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, we're winning. We're I got to run, run hot still. I got to run hot still. <laughs> Oh, Rob Anderson, wow. Dream Crusher. Anyway. No, he played well, and, like, his draw both games, like, Pride Sovereign into Spider-Grass, like, that draw is really hard to beat anyways. Like, that just happens to be yeah. great. Like, there, was one, there was one thing about your deck. I mean, your deck was obviously absurdly good, because you went to the bathroom when they were handing out the deck lists, and I was just looking at your deck, and I was like, what the hell is going on? And... <laughs> At first, like, I'm like, Spellweaver Eternal, which one is that? That's the 2-1, like, prowess <laughs> thing that I've, like, never played in my life. Like, is that thing good? And then I'm like, I was just, like, coming up with these scenarios in my head. Okay, like, okay, so on turn 2, he plays a Spellweaver Eternal, and I play a No Catcher's Avenger. On turn 3, he plays a Crash, he attacks, I block. Then he Blur of Blades it, and I or take eight damage. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like... That's not good. <laughs> and I think it also like, flips too. So on the yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you had like because on your on your list there were four crashes, four eternals, three blur of blades. So I'm like, that's not a, that's not an unlikely scenario, you know. And I was just like, okay, this is going to be tough. The thing is, like, you you didn't have because like Pride Sovereign was actually a very good card against your deck, just because you you had one abrade and one unsummon that was like sort of the only way to interact with it and if i could like get it going especially since i had the double spidery grasp then like it's good and yes i was extremely fortunate that not only did i draw my pride guardian with spidery grasp and stuff but you also flooded out like crazy in a 14 land deck which makes no sense and uh you know it is what it is and it's unfortunate and yeah maybe you should have won the gp but I don't, know about I don't think that's true. I think justice. Is I think what they're saying is, what do you mean? My deck probably had an above average chance of winning the GP out of just all the decks. But you still have to win. Like maybe if I was like even sixty percent, that's crazy. Or fifty percent to win from my seat, I still yeah. I'm going to lose from my seat. That I'm like, I don't, yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's not an auto win. It's but not an auto. I, win. I think if if you're like look at all the top eight deck lists right. and you could bet on one, right? I would bet on your list. That doesn't yeah. mean I'm guaranteed yeah. to win. And yeah, like, that's understandable. That, your curve was hard to beat, although one game you did Pride Sovereign into Spider-Grass or into Ambuscade or something, I did beat you that game because, like, I'm able to, like, kill two yeah. of your tokens. And yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had I, I Rebuke as well, you didn't mention, and I had Fling as well, so, like, I had ways of dealing with it. What was, what was the first one? Rebuke what? Wins the bounce, another bounce spell. That's oh, you did? Okay, I yeah, sorry. I that one game with... Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually... I'm quite sure I misplayed that game. I wish, I, you know, if there was actually coverage, then maybe I could remember. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think the game that, that I blocked with the Pride Guardian, I think I ambuscaded instead of Spidery Grasping, and if I had Spidery Grasped, then, like, he would have lived, and then I, like, may have been able to, like, come back with Exerting and stuff. Those but, tokens like, do have lifelink, by the way. You didn't mention that for your crest there. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. I, I, yeah, did you make is, a, did you make a whole herd of horses in any games? I made zero horses. <laughs> I had crested sunmare in two decks, and I made zero horses. Yeah, I made tech, horse you, you texted me saying it was colossipede in your deck, but it definitely yeah. wasn't colossipede in your deck. You had life gain, <laughs> like not a lot, but you. No, had no, I, I, but okay. You have to think of you have to think of like the the odds of that happening. I have to draw both. The Pride Sovereign and the Sun Mare, 
and I have to and I have to live and I have to make tokens I and I have to attack or block. Like it's just like just, just draw your bombs, Anderson. Come on, man. How hard can it that's be? That's what I did, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I, I I made zero horses, and yeah, obviously it's not colossopede. There are scenarios where I could have made um, horses. It just, it just never happened. So they might even two for one themselves to kill it because they yeah, know it's scared, be, right? Like yeah, they're so that, scared. So it's, it's way better than a colossopede. It's that, really right? funny because uh, in round nine, my opponent had a lifelinking camel and he slammed uh, Cress's Sunmare and he did not attack with his camel because I had a 2-2 zombie token and he didn't want to trade down. Trade down into a 5-5. Five, five yeah, 5-5 indestructible. Five, five indestructible. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll draw, I will lethal sting that horse and uh, get back in this game. <laughs> I don't get these kind of gifts, man, but whatever. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it's GP with very few pros, and yeah, it happens. I agree. Uh, I Montreal was like that last year as well. Yeah, it's just the, the competition level is a, a little bit lower than it than it would be on a, on a, any other random GP. Um, I'm what, still proud of my trophy. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, when when Doug uh, sh- shared the uh, his deck list to to the rest of the group, I had having no no experience, having been focused on organizing the GP itself, I had showed it to a bunch of friends to see what they thought. Um, like Brian and Vince were, were really confident in the villain. People were like saying, it doesn't look that great. Only 12 creatures. But Brian, that's like, like uh, Rob and Doug met, like Rob's uh, draft blue, blue red person. They, it's very counterintuitive to them that, that this approach is, is really that good. Uh, can you talk about that, Brian? Like 12 creatures you thought was more, was enough, right? Yeah, you have, I mean, you have more virtual copies because you have so many cantrips in your deck and you're seeing so much of your deck. I'll, I'll be honest with you, like we just kind of broke the draft format. Like, I understand that people don't think this deck is very good. Our results with it were preposterous. And, I, like, I, I think going forward, it may not be the default strategy because I guess, like, uh, Limited Resources talked about it quite a bit on their cast, and, and they were also fond of the blue-red archetype. I don't know if they go as deep as we do with, like, the, the crash-throughs, but, I, I mean, I think, like, my win percentage with this archetype in Qs was, like, greater than 80%, I think. It was pretty preposterous. and. It was just open every single time, um, not at all difficult to get. And it's so deep. The two colors are just so deep that even when you get like a bad version of it, like I have gotten three O's with what I think is a bad version of this archetype several times. It's, it's totally possible. So I, I get like the trepidation. It looks weird. You know, you, you see Doug's deck list and you're like, what is happening here? It's kind of like if you go back to, I think it was Theros block. And I think it was Gerard Fabiano who started forcing like the 14 land mono red decks. And everyone was like, well, this can't be good. And they just, there was a period of time where they just dominated the format. And then people adjusted their drafting around it. Well, nobody was adjusting to this strategy um, during this GP. I think they probably will start to going forward because, you know, I don't think we did anything insane here. I think just if you had drafted a bit, it seems pretty obvious that like this is this is the PowerPoint of the format. Whoa, like, yeah. No, no, I, I I kind of agree with Brian. You know, to an extent, like you, you also like if you were playing competitive leagues or intermediate leagues, because you can play against decks in the EXO, like in the finals that are the same copy of your deck. I have played against the blue red mirror when I'm two zero way more than is statistically possible given how a normal eight man works out so like you can just see like oh in the finals like other people are also playing this blue red deck right which means 
like there's, there's something there. Like there also other people are winning with it, right? <laughs> and we just iterated on it. Vince was actually like so worried that we were getting like hive mind tunnel vision on the deck that he just started refusing to draft it. I had to do that for a while too. I was just just always winning. And I'm like, well, what if this isn't like, I can't always do this. I need to know how to draft another deck. Like in all honesty though, I think that's the right thing to do. Like once you know, I agree. I knew the deck was insane. (laughs) I've honestly never, like I've been drafting for, I guess, 10 years now. I've never felt like an archetype is as powerful in a draft format. Like it's actually just way better than everything else. It's also so easy to get. Yeah, and it's it's always available. It doesn't it's matter. Like Brian said, underrated. Just, like we talked about. Yeah. Like Rob even said. Rob Anderson just said like the two one. He didn't know how good it was, but like this is a two one with a flick and powers, I first and a that flick card. too. Yeah, it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. And when I told you Sammy's pick list earlier for blue, you may notice Spellweaver Eternal was not in his top three. Like yeah. this card is criminally underrated right now, and it's just because it's this is such a synergy based format. Rob, like Rob was explaining today that in sealed, I think why I thought my deck was like an eight one or a nine zero, and why when he looked at it was like oh, maybe it's a seven two deck. It's because there's just no synergy, and then all these other decks have all this synergy. All my opponent's deck had all these synergies. Like I didn't have any real synergies. This whole limited format is synergy based, and this blue red deck is the showcase of all showcases of those synergies. Yeah, I mean so. it's absolutely. I just find it funny because uh, when was the last time that like there was a limited format where like you're playing blue goblin pikers to like kill your opponent? It's but just it's like flick too. It's, it's usually no. so much better than goblin well, pikers because oh. if no, you block no. it and you like yeah, bird well shrink it over them, like you bird shrink it over no, them, it's you're, you're so much better. Absolutely right that it's 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 great. Blur I just like oh, it, it's very easy. A player, a player like me, it just sort of ignored it. I mean, I've I remember playing it in sealed a couple of times. I'm like, this card is, is garbage. It doesn't do anything. But I mean, it's sealed, right? Like, I, I agree with your assessment in sealed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I never really thought about drafting a deck like that. Like I've drafted blue red, but I, I never. You probably had I the saw, version like my three O that was just good blue red stuff, stuff like and flyers and spells. Nothing like, fancy. Yeah, I had like two avens and two unquenchable thirsts and. I had a mirror to copy my like five five that got counters on every turn. I didn't have anything fancy like yeah, just solid stuff. You know, by the time we were done refining what we wanted the deck to be in our ideal case, I was of the opinion that you should take like Firebrand Archer over Ominous Sphinx. Yeah. Like that's I had just, so many uh, Ominous Sphinx in the in the sideboard of my yeah, decks. Which don't like, want it, that. It's like you the default that. number one pick. You don't want a five drop usually. Yeah. I'm I'm really curious as to what the Pro Tour is gonna because I mean obviously the yeah, pros have excited. have this figured it's, uh, have have it figured out right like it's gonna be uh it's gonna be funny. I was just suggesting to to Rob Lawyer's thing here maybe while like cards are circling cards like Crash are just gonna get picked up a little bit more frequently yeah than they would have and I was kind of joking like when I drafted it because I was drafting it and everything was getting passed and everything was coming I wanted and my brain like started swirling. I was not thinking I was going to win, but I was just like, this is the deck. Like, holy crap, this is the deck I always wanted. This is the, I don't know anything about this format, but like, this is the best deck. And it just kept coming and kept coming. And then like my third crash came and I'm like, is this the one I thought would table? I thought that was coming next pick. And then there's another pick, another one came. And just everything. I was just like, holy smokes. But I, I joked afterwards that like, man, if I win this GP, I wonder if I'll, I said this to Rob when I like walked over to him after the bathroom. So like, I wonder if I'll just like radically change the pro tour single-handedly. 
He's like, yep, probably just got to win now. And so hopefully, you know, those who listen to this and the fact that like make people usually, I always just go look at the GP winner, what they play in the finals. Maybe it'll still sneak through. Maybe people won't know how good it is. Maybe they'll be like, well, he lost. He lost to this green white deck with a couple rares. Maybe they'll not realize. And that's that good. Like it really is. But I had kitties and horsies though. Horse bro. Horse bros. <laughs> yeah. Green white farmland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rob, like Rob Anderson, in, the, in our uh, little hangout chat, said, "Like I didn't realize Crash was playable until this top eight, which gave you a little smirk." Um, it's probably not, right? Like, it's probably not in most archetypes. You really have yeah. to maximize the card when it's like red. Draw a card. All your creatures get plus one, plus one, and trample. It's like it's a pretty good card, yeah, and it's so yeah. scary too. Because like if if they even have a two two, and and I play Crash. And I have my Spellweaver now as a 3-2 and I attack. There's just like, man, I can just never block here. And I'm like, okay, don't block. Play another Spellweaver, go. Right? Like, yeah. it's just... And if they do block, and you're like, okay. And then you're like, okay, blur your guy. Now he take a flick two. Take two. Your guy's now smaller. Yeah. Take, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... One last yeah. note on the, on the archetype. Like, when you go blue-white, all of these good blue cards with Afflict are zombies. So, like, Inoketra's name and Binding Mummy and all this stuff from, like, Amonkhet is just also insane. Yeah. So, like... If you start with Spellweaver Eternal, you are open to be in what I'm pretty sure are just the two best Blue, white, decks. blue, red, which is yeah. what I wanted to force basically blue, white, blue, red. So anyways, I guess for anyone listening, enjoy FNM this week. You have a free um, free on us. <laughs> or, um, Rolo, Rolo um, I have to tell you, Rolo. Rolo. Uh, when you say you're running into blue, red in the finals, is it like the different flavor of blue, red that other people are drafting? Or they're just no, no, it's the same deck. Us? Yeah, it's the same deck. Like, basically, whoever wins the die roll wins the match. So there are like, people out there that have figured it out as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because like if you just like play, I don't know, I probably played maybe 20 leagues or something like that. And like with me and Vince like talking about our leagues a whole bunch, I've probably seen like 30 to 40 of wow. them, I guess. And, like, every, almost every time in the finals, like, you're playing against blue-red. So, like, people, as they're not playing blue-red, are going to are gonna see that, right? Like, if they just happen to run up against the blue-red deck when there's something else, uh, and they're losing, they're going to, I mean... And it is funny, it I drafted a blue-black zombie cycler deck for my one... I only did one draft um, before day two. Uh, but in that one draft, I 2 won and my loss was the deck in the finals. Like the- that's what I mean by like, being an, an, like an inescapable conclusion. It's not yeah. like I'm being conceited. Like I understand this and got to this point. It's that the, the data just bore this out. Like it became very clear to us that this was the deck that was succeeding all the time. And, and when you play a few rounds with it and you're like, Oh, this is just like, uh, like I'm pretty sure something like this, if there was still block constructed will, would be on the radar, like some kind of blue red prowessy aggro deck <laughs> would a hundred percent be like things people were building around. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how long this is going to last. But, but the thing is, when we realized this to be true, we started thinking about, well, like, how do things adjust around this? And I remember I was playing, like, one of the last drafts I did, I, I was in the finals against uh, Marcio Carvalho, and, and it seemed like he was drafting in such a way that he had contemplated the existence of this hyper aggro deck. Like, he had a lot of big butts, uh, a lot of lifelinkers, and, and just, like, like, he was aware that there was an aggressive slant going on to the format and then I just drew like triple firebrand archer and like triple crashed him out. And that was the end of that match. Like even when people were hyper defensive and, and drafting the cards, because things like lethal sting, like that card stock has to have gone up so much or, or excuse me, uh, splendid agony, splendid the, agony. Yeah, uh, yeah. distribute two minus one, minus one counters. That card stock has to have skyrocketed. 
um, in the the new format because it deals with the blue red deck very efficiently. But I've beaten that card a ton of times too. That's the thing is you just keep beating all these cards and you're like, yeah. well, what is going to stop this deck? The weird not, thing, not an open wall. Actually, the best way to beat the blue red deck is to just play the blue red deck. Like it sounds stupid, but it's true. <laughs> like the best answer to the blue red deck is Blur of Blades. So just also play blue red and you'll win. Like probably black red. I guess if you really focus on sure, yeah. blur of blades, the good red removal, and then splendid. You really, really are diligent about picking up splendid agony in, in uh, pack three. That's probably the archetype I don't want to play against the most. The thing that's ridiculous though for me is like I won two the first pod and I told you like I lost the one outer and I lost the capsize buyback. My win was Andrew Navarai who cast double splendid agony, double blur of blades. Uh, against me um still got and he played like the one or two torment of venom and he played an open fire um and, and i won that game uh like still got them. blue red can just get so redundant because i was like blood water eternaling back things and just like the deck oh man it's crazy like another great 13th pick is uh blazing volley yeah that's oh, the answer yeah, that's, that's a good the real one. answer so one mana wrath yeah. You can so easily like save your Spellweaver Eternals though. You yeah. almost always have Kindled Fury up. Come on, man. Yeah, and you have like <laughs> you have Thorn Mollocks, and you have like other. Yeah. But well, I agree. Like you, you definitely it's, it's you want that good. card in your yeah. sideboard. I think you can definitely get people. Yeah. I was actually I passed it in that stupid side draft I did, and now I'm like, oh man, I should have just hated that Blazing Wall. Like, what was I doing? Just passing <laughs> that thing, anyways. Uh, Vince, any uh, last words on the? draft strategy as a whole from you that you want to add? Um, no, I think like we've done a really good job as a team sort of collating all of our data and trying to come up with a clear answer for what's going on here. And um, it's been really helpful to have this group of people that are actually actively drafting and actively communicating because I think it allowed us to, you know, not only find the deck, but also like very clearly understand what was good in the deck, why it was good. And how easy it was to draft. Because it's one thing to be like, yeah, blue red's great. It's another thing to be like, you can force blue red and win. That's a very different statement when you're talking about limited, right? Because now you have a strategy before you even open packs that's actually viable. And that that's huge, right? So big shout outs to the team and, and the nation for being involved in that. Um, hopefully we can keep doing this for new formats because it's sweet. Yeah, this good. is the first time we all really work together, I guess, because we're all going to be at the same event. But... Uh... Let's keep doing it. We, we reap some rewards. <laughs> I'm joining the Patreon. I have some extra cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was too good. <laughs> he beats our strategy in the top eight. <laughs> I want Man, I I have I got a new cat last year, and she just like, showed up on my deck. Yeah, and I I gave I gave my pride sovereign to Christine today with my two cat tokens. I'm like oh. here. You, Keep these as a memento of 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 the kitties that uh, that got me my trophy. <laughs> nice, Rob. Uh, any any funny stories that that uh, you haven't said on the show yet? From the which GP? Rob? Uh, Anderson, GP winner. <laughs> Maybe something wow. in round fifteen, if you recall. Yeah. I, uh, well, I was there was a board state with about like thirty permanents on it. With because uh, <laughs> I, I didn't actually talk about my second draft at all. I'll, I'll do it quickly, just because. Like, uh, but I'll, as I mentioned, my pod. I didn't know anybody except Mike Fernio, who was passing to me from the right. I uh, I first picked uh, a torment of venom, passing Ronus's last stand, River Hoopo, Ronus's stalwart, and ambuscade. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to ship like all this insane green to the left, 
and uh, I picked a Torment of Venom, and then I got past Desert's Hold, and then I got past uh, Champion of Wits' third pick, which I thought was a bit suspect, because I thought that card was, like, insane. So anyways, uh, I ended up ditching the black and just had this insane blue-white deck. There were unsummons going crazy late. I ended up with four unsummons. Uh, second pack, I opened Factor Fiction Sphinx. Third pack, I opened Glyph Keeper, so I had, like, Sphinx Tribal going on. And then I got past... Uh, Fernie passed me Gideon, pick three. So my deck was just, like, really good. There were a few cards that were, like... I, I, I over-evaluated the uh, Avon Reed Seeker, the 2-3 Flying Flash, because... I remember Sentinels of Glenelendra from back in Lorwyn. I remember that card being great. So I was like, oh, yeah, this card's got to be good. But then when I talked to some people, they were like, eh, it's okay. Like, two power for four mana. It's just, like, not really where you want to be. So anyways, my deck was great. Round one, obviously, get paired against Fernie. Uh, I have to Dream Crush him, and no problem. Round two, I go against the guy with the Ronus's last, the guy I was passing to on my left with the Ronus's last stand, the Ambuscades, all the cartouches I was passing him. I have four unsummons, so... Game two, game one, he actually went turn one forest, turn two forest, Ronus's last stand, and then cartouched my guy, and he just killed me. I did not draw an unsummon, but then I won the other two games. So, <laughs> anyway, round 15, uh, I'm playing against, uh, what's his name? His last name is Mayo. I remember that, because Mayo is delicious. Um, Kenrick. Kenrick Mayo. He's a local Hamilton guy. I played with him, you know. Yeah. He, he's he had a, he had a, we, we both sat down and we were both so nervous. Like, I could tell that, like, this was probably his first time gunning for a GP top eight, myself as well. And it was nice that, like, we both sort of put it out in the open. He was just like, hey, like, how's it going? And I was just like, yeah, I'm super nervous. He's like, yeah, me too. So, like, it was nice to, like, relax a little bit. But game one was fairly straightforward. Uh, just me bouncing stuff, playing Sphinxes and Gideon and winning. And then game two went very long. Like, I was kind of behind. He was, like, I, I was flooding out quite a bit. And he uh, he had a lot of pressure. And he played uh, Angel of... Um, of Condemnation. Uh, Condemnation, yeah. And he... Uh, so there was a lot of stuff that was going on. First of all, I, I didn't understand... I didn't read that card properly the first time. I thought that the first ability you could only, I thought the first ability was for blinking your creatures and the exert ability was for blinking the opponent's creatures. I didn't realize that it was like astral sliding. So like there was a confusing attack where he like he like astral slided my Aven and then I unsummoned his angel and I thought I was getting my Aven back, but I actually wasn't because it was like at end of turn. But luckily it wasn't really a big deal. Um so we got in a situation where it was like sort of a stalemate, but I got ahead enough on the board with Factor Fiction Sphinx and like Champion of Wits. I was able, well, not Champion of Wits, but uh, I was able to like loot away cards with Seeker and stuff like that to be able to like get legitimate pressure. And I had unconventional tactics, which I boarded in because Sammy told me that I should be. I, I took out two of the Avon Reed Seekers for um, the unconventional tactics and the. Uh, the dutiful servants, the two five. So um, the turn before I'd cast a tactics and attack for seven in the air. I was just picking away his life total. I had a Gideon at like seven that was shutting down one of his angels and I had the emblem. I was at six life. So I was like, he had to kill Gideon and me at the same time. So anyways, there's a turn. So I attack for seven with that. So then the next turn I play, um, the uh, the mummy, the 2-3 that exiles a guy from a graveyard. I play that. I rebuy unconventional tactics. And uh, then I decide, okay, I'm going to loot till uh, you know, find, you know, discard, whatever. 
so I loot with one guy. I didn't want to loot with both because like I wanted to keep some blockers back. So then I pass, and then Rob, who was watching the game, uh, disappears. And then a judge comes over, and he's like, oh, uh, you looted a card last turn. What was the non-creature spell that was cast? I'm like, unconventional tactics. I like bought it back. And he's like, okay. And then the judge walks away. And then like me and Ken- Kenrick were looking at the board. I'm like, I don't think I did that last turn. I think that was maybe the turn before. So we called the judge back, who probably thought we were an idiot at this point. I'm like, yeah, sorry, I messed up. I wasn't supposed to loot because um, I, I didn't actually cast a spell. I bought it back, and you know, it's round 15, we're tired, and I, I thought that I had like cast it or something. So they did the like super weirdo judge rewind. Luckily, nothing happened besides me looting. So he like, I drew champion of wits, and I actually just basically milled myself for one when I looted. So. He, like, put the champion of wits in my hand, then we shuffled my hand, then we put a random card on top, and it was it was kind of weird, but it, it ended up, like, not real. Well, um, some people thought that, like, it changed things, because I had I had an unsummon and an impeccable timing in my hand, and that he ended up alpha striking that next turn, and because I had those tricks, I was able to, like, be okay and then swing back for lethal. As soon as he did the attack and I played two tricks, he just, like, basically... Uh, conceded so yeah it, it's embarrassing to make like stupid mistakes like that but uh, what I mean, if he puts what if he picks unsummon randomly and puts that on the top of your deck like that's just such a savage like randomly getting blown out because that well, was then, the card that like ch- kind of changed everything that turn right because he not really it. because he he attacks he still attacks with everything right i cast yeah. impeccable timing i go yeah, to plus two plus two though doesn't I'm matter his angel yeah yeah i know but he I, I cast Impeccable Timing, he casts plus 2, plus 2, I, I go to blocks, and then I just loot, right? I cast Impeccable Timing, so I loot, I have, I have two untapped Seekers. Oh, because you know when someone's on the top now, yeah, okay. Yeah, enough. exactly, right? So, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, yeah it's, it was super, yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, so, anyways, it was... I don't know what the correct ruling is. That, that, I thought that you were just getting thought seized. I thought that's what the ruling would have been. He also, like, the judge put Kenrick's card back on the top of the deck, too. And around, well, because, like, a whole turn or something, right? Yeah, we kind of rewound like the whole time. He even let me. What I thought was super weird was that, like, because I, I did all the stuff and I said go. So he, like, put the cards back. So, like, now I have a different card, right? I have a champion of wits in my hand, and it's my main phase. <laughs> so, do you want to pass a turn? I'm like, so I can just cast this champion of wits that, like, I don't, I'm not supposed to have in my hand. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to keep my mana up, obviously, but it just, it just felt wrong to me but uh, yeah, it ultimately it didn't really change much but it was kind of weird yeah i think if i was kenrick i would have appealed for a more favorable ruling but I, <laughs> it was just funny uh, the way I, I don't know what i actually don't know what it is i know that at some point when you draw extra card i think they choose the ruling to thoughtsies but then i don't i guess that because there were witnesses that could verify all the yeah code, it was going in for make a different ruling right yeah i'm not really sure like i'd have to ask like a higher level judge Anyways, we got to troll you a little bit after that. For, for I have uh, to tell you about uh, the, the <laughs> finals of the, the GP, uh, where my opponent made a $5,000 mistake. Um, so, um, round one, as we all know, I uh, beat Doug, and it was heartbreaking, and uh, I wish him all the best in his future tournaments. But in the semifinals, I went against uh, the guy who beats. Uh, <laughs> I went against the guy who beats uh, Andrew Cunio, and uh, Doug loses to Robs. I lose to Andrews. Like I lost to Novari and Cunio. I really didn't want to go against Cunio again because I felt like 
he like knew the format so much better than I did. Although he wasn't forcing blue red, so maybe he didn't. I don't know. Um, so uh, the second guy was a teamer player. I actually kind of punted against him too. He like just generally didn't draw very well. Um, he he had a very good deck. He had Sand Strangler. He had lots of like cycling. He had Bramp. He had big green creatures. Um, there was a turn. He was at nine, and he had a rampaging hippo in play. And I made a, a really stupid mistake. I, I attacked with a 4-4 Flying Angel and a 3-3 uh, Oketra's uh, Attendant. And he got me. Like he, I, I was so sure he had nothing. I just, like, spider... Not, not only did I spidery grass, but I spidery grass the 4-4 instead of the 3-3. And then he ambuscaded me. So it was, just, it was just a punt. I gave him two more turns to, like, draw something to, like, get him back in the game. But uh, it, it was not to be, so I uh, ended up winning. But anyways, in the finals, game one, I keep uh, two land, two planes uh, on the... Yeah, I kept two planes on the play. Two planes, uh, double Catcher's Avenger, Fanbearer. So I like, whatever, I basically draw a third planes, and then I don't draw another land for the rest of the game, and he just, like, basically stabilizes and kills me pretty easily game two this is a guy who by the way if you've seen his deck list he had Arcfiend of ifnir and the scarab god and never return and two tormenting venoms and all this like really good stuff and like Arcfiend of ifnir just like commits cat genocide and you know i would not be able to recover from that so i had to make sure that like either he doesn't draw those cards or i kill him before that happens so um he had a lot of ground stalling guys, so game two I won with the uh, flyers, and then game three was similar. I got we got to a sort of a point where it was a reset. Like we both had a bunch of lands and not really much in play. Um, he had a, like a camel, and I had like I don't know a, a zombie token and like a, a soldier token or something. I uh, I played uh, Oketra's attendant next turn. I suited up with Cartouche. I think that's where I got the soldier token from. I started attacking him for four. So I'm picking away at his life total, and uh, things are going pretty good. Um, I forgot to mention, um, sorry, before that, I had a horse bro in, pray, in play, in prey, and uh, he, he cast never on, on uh, horse bro. So I was just like, okay, whatever. So then I play the Oketra. Um, Oketra's attendant and start poking away at his life total. So he, uh, I get him down to eight, and then he uh, draws a lethal sting. So he lethal stings his, he puts a counter on his camel and targets my Oketra's thing. So I'm like, okay, I discard a land, discard my um, Oketra's attendant, or put it in the graveyard, and he still has like five mana up, and he just says go. I'm like, okay. I draw, I immediately embalm the, the Oketra's attendant. Uh, and, you know, that wins me the game. Like, just the Oketra's attendant. I, I think I, I played a 4-4 Angel later, but two turns later, he, uh, he looks through his graveyard and he sees a never return. He's like, oh, was I able to, did I have mana to cast that when your Oketra's attendant died? I was like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so, to add, to add insult to injury, well, he, he, he decided to flashback the never return on Horse Bro, uh, just, you know, because he's Horse Bro and just ha- has to go. So, um, <laughs> he got his zombie token, and then I flew through the air, and he extended the hand. And I, I genuinely think 
had he exiled that attendant, he would have bought enough time to to draw one of his bombs and and just like completely destroy me. Wow. Yep. <laughs> wow. Nice you- yeah, I mean that that's a, that's like Rob Lombardi saying that that's a gift in the finals <laughs> of a Grand Prix, you know. Like <laughs> these things don't happen. You know, you got to get lucky to win these things, man. Like it's just yeah, unbelievable. Like I'm I'm so thankful and like not it's just like the community is just so awesome and I love just like talking about it with you guys, like writing an article about it, putting it all on paper and just having everyone, you know, like congratulating me and stuff. It's feels good. Well, I mean, you it's it's not only that you deserve it. You're you're known in the community as a as one of the good guys and uh for example, Andy Football Peters uh, just told me how happy he was when you won. Like he he like he he messaged me privately like that he was ecstatic that you won. So that that's just how much. That just I just love that. Like these people, like these are guys. Like you know, we don't. Th- this game is all that we really have in common. But I see I see Andy at tournaments, and I remember when he was playing at an RPTQ, and he was he had been playing the the what's it called the Abzan the Grizzly Salvage Graveyard deck thing for so long, and like he played against a guy in the top eight, and he just like destroyed him, and I'm like, man, Andy got on the pro tour, and I was just so happy, and just like seeing your friends get there is just the best feeling, and. I mean, it's sad when we, like, get paired against each other and everything, but, like, I'm just, like, I find I'm getting better. In the past, like, I would get negative with, like, a lot of things, and, like, if you're running bad or if you, like, get bad matchups or whatever, but, like, especially lately, I I try, like, when I run bad or whatever, I'm just, like, this game has given me so much, and for like happiness and for friends and even like my career right and it's just like it's just great to like even though like it doesn't always work out like it's it's fine and you know it's gonna work out eventually you know it's it's just a great game and i'm so happy to be a part of it i just want to echo what rob's saying because for me like this run you know, I haven't been playing recently and I had no expectations of uh, succeeding. And um, I was trying to be really active on social media because a lot of my friends the past year have been working, not playing Magic. I've made a ton of new friends. I have six roommates that we all work together, the seven of us. And like my job, I work at a dinner theater as an actor slash server, sorry, server slash barely an actor. But, uh, and all my other friends didn't know what I was doing. So I was sharing a lot and I'm getting a lot of this positive feedback loop as you get on social media. But then it started hitting me when I was like a round to go or two rounds to go. I'm getting all these personal Snapchat videos and texts. And when it hit me that I top aided, like I, I went for a walk and I was so overwhelmed. Like a judge from back home came up to try and talk to me. And I like, I could, I told him I can't talk anymore. Cause like, I was just going to break down crying. Like I was so excited. And my mom called me and I told her like, like after a few words, I was like, I actually have to go because I still have a top eight to play. And like, I can't, like, I'm so overwhelmed emotionally. Like this community is so positive and so amazing. And the reason why I flew across the country is because I lost to this guy on my left last year, never met him before, didn't know anything about him, started Facebook messaging him, ended up being on a podcast with him. Turns out I felt like I have a lot in common with him. He lets me stay at his house. 
And all of a sudden we're, you know, laughing, having these great conversations and meet a bunch of these other Hamilton people that like shout out to everyone that I spent time with this weekend from like Jess to Blavin to Barsky to uh, misplaced Ginger himself, who killed a bird, by the way, this weekend. He actually <laughs> stepped on a bird and killed a bird as we were walking to dinner on it the first day. It was a chick. Day. It wasn't a bird. It and then a, he it said, it was a the age doesn't make it okay. He's, he immediately said out loud, hey, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. I didn't do it on purpose. But all of these people, you know, um, John Putin and uh, like everyone else that I met this weekend, like I, I actually feel like you know, these are people that I'm probably going to be friends with going forward and look forward to the next time I hang out with them. And I just, I, I love it. I was so happy when Rob won. Like, yes, he beat me and he was apologizing. And at the table, I was like, no, like, don't be sad, man. Like, I, did, I didn't want that in his head. I was like, you wanted to win. You've got to win this. Like, to win this GP, you have to beat me. Like, don't be upset. Don't feel sorry for me. Like, it's okay. That. Crush this. Like, take this down and like, I was so happy to find out that he won. And, and yeah, it's heartbreaking. It totally is. I totally get that, you know, but I was so happy that Rob won. Cause if not me, it had to be him. That's how I felt when I beat Tyler. If not me, it had to be him. I'm sure that's how Rob felt when he beat Edgar and when he beat Fernie, if not them, it has to be him. The throws this pot it has to be now. Like, um, so yeah, I love the community and my, my, my extended magic family. It's more than just friendship to me, but yeah, yeah totally agree. I'm, I'm just, for me, just seeing this image, and I, I'm focusing the camera on only you two uh, for most of the episodes so far. Just the fact that you guys faced each other last year, and now Rob's letting you stay over. Well, he beat me, so I mean, he's got this trophy up here. <laughs> Every time he's like, no, no, don't worry about paying for this, like, dinner, or like, he'll drive me around. I'm just like, yeah, he's paying out of the 10K he took from me. No, <laughs> Is it still? Is it still good? I mean, it's not brand new, but it's still okay. Hey, is, does yours? Are the corners on yours a bit dinged up? Like mine is. <laughs> no, mine's beautiful. No, his is pristine. Oh, <laughs> oh. My, I had to take mine on the bus, and I think I may have banged it around too much. It's okay. Trophy. Abuse. Oh yeah, I have to. I have to tell the bus story. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> this is super embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it anyways. So. Um, I, on the bus, like I said, I, I, I took a bus at 11 in the morning to come home, uh, mega bus. And, uh, I had been on my phone all day because it's just been nonstop Facebook messages and everyone like congratulating me. And I want to write this article so that like, it's still fresh in my memory somewhat. So, uh, my battery got super low, like three hours into the six hour bus ride. Uh, I was at like 2%. I'm like, my dad called me on FaceTime and he was like congratulating me and everything. I'm like, yeah, dad, like it's great, but like I, my phone's dying and I need to like, you know, I, I'm going to need to like keep some battery in case I need to like call Christine or whatever. So I have a charger, but I didn't, I, there was no plugs on this bus. So, um, I, uh, I, you know, I was looking around, I'm seeing like, I thought there was a plug somewhere. Like I felt like maybe there was, so, you know, about half an hour later, you know, I've been like dozing in and out and on my phone or whatever. I look up, I notice that there's actually plugs on the ceiling. That was like the last place I didn't look. I looked like under the seats and everywhere around me. And there was, so there was a plug on the ceiling, but the ceiling was, it's a, it was a double decker bus and the ceiling was kind of high up. And the cord I had was, is very short. It's a, it's a three, it's a triple charger. It charges the old iPhone, the new iPhone and a Samsung, but it's a very short cord. So you need like, um, uh, an extension or something for it. So 
I have it plugged in, and the only way I can charge my phone is by like, you know, holding it up in the air like this. And my arm's getting tired, and I'm just like, man, I need to like find some sort of solution for this. I could, I tried to like let it dangle and see if it like wouldn't fall or whatever. <laughs> so I have my trophy with me. <laughs> what? <laughs> so. My solution in my infinite wisdom is to put the trophy on my head and put the phone in the trophy so that it won't fall. So I'm sitting there with this trophy on my head and a phone inside it dangling. And I I have an aisle to myself. And to the left, there's these three young Muslim girls. And two of them are looking at me and giggling. And one of them reaches into her bag. She's like, I have a charger. Do you need this? (laughs) So she gives me this charger that was long enough for me to put the phone next to me. And I thanked her profusely. And at the end of the trip, I gave her back her charger. But uh, I looked like a complete idiot. And I'm proud of that. Can you afford a new charger now? I have tons of chargers. I just didn't expect that length of cord would be something that was necessary. I have chargers all over the place. I just the only cry. way that story gets better is if the girl reaches into her bag, grabs her cell phone and just snapped. Yeah, I was sure she was Snapchatting this. As a guy who Snapchat his whole weekend, I thought this story was going somewhere else. But. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the embarrassing life of being a Grand Prix winner taking the bus home. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I called that shot like during the story. I looked at Rob. I was like, yeah, he's going to say gonna it, on it was on his head. That's the <laughs> yeah. answer. Like, yeah. That's why those watching the video will see a very large reaction from me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doug, any, any stories that we missed uh, from you, your weekend? Um, I, I shared the best part, which was Derek stepping on a bird. Um, and the second best part, which was top baiting. But uh, no, like just a lot of it for me, Corbin kind of, all weekend there was this through line of me, you know, not knowing the set and stuff like that. But it was like the the match. It was either against Tyler or is another match where I like pointed out something that Tyler Bloom didn't actually know his creature was when any creature exerted it tapped something. He thought it was just when that exerted, which actually I'm confident cost him game one, and then he beat me game two. Um, but like there was a point where it was either in that match or another one where I was playing around everything. Like I was playing around so many things, and Corbin afterwards is like yeah, I don't know the set, like, come on. Like, I just watched you play around all this stuff. And I told him, um, I, I just said to him, I've just played around the things that I've learned this weekend. I'm just learning as I go. But I don't have any funny stories or big stories, but it's just this, I've never left the GP feeling so sure that I could be as good as I ran. Like, I ran above average. I, I never, I know it, I'd never even 8-1 to GP day one. I've never 13-2. I even squeaked in on tiebreakers um, last time. But it was just, I was so in the zone and I was so focused and I was so willing to play around all of this stuff that normally I just kind of autopilot, like I said. And I felt like almost this result kind of gave me a new perspective of where I could be. And obviously I could have done more um, preparation. I could have known cards better. I could have um, even read all of the first Nation stuff. I definitely looked at most of it, but... I don't know. I just was fired up. I love the weekend. It really lit a fire back in me. Now I'm going to go home back to work and can't play a ton. I'm not even convinced I can hundred percent play Albuquerque, but uh, we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. <laughs> um, 
But I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want to. I just wanted to chime in because uh, I was. I knew that for a long time, you and I were like there were like a few of us that were still in contention for top eight. And every time I finished my match, I like to look for all the people and find out what happened, you know, and I always had trouble finding you. I, I don't know, like you were in, you were in your zone and you would like just go for a walk or something. And then every time I would find you, I knew that you were in your zone. So I'd just be like, I would just do the thumbs up and you'd like, give like a very slight like nod yes i'm like okay that's all i need to know i'm gonna walk away now and then when we both locked up top eight i was like oh yeah you know it all i was actually out. busy snapchatting um oh did, of course of course i do a lot of social media work that's all gonna come out on my facebook feed this week but i just i, I just know, thought I was, it was funny i, I was pretty funny. focused yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was funny how and the top eight because uh you went you went to, to the bathroom or something and we were everyone was looking at the deck list and then all the three other rounds like they already started playing and then you came back from the bathroom and you looked at my deck list and you were like judge i don't know what any of these cards do <laughs> i was at a strict disadvantage I you were like i don't know do? can i get do? the oracle text of this like i was trying to help doug out but like and then I got embarrassed, so I just stopped asking. Yeah, you just, just play like, and... whatever. My deck's great. I'm just going to play and, and, like, you know. <laughs> that that was kind of embarrassing, actually. It was cute. To, <laughs> the judge, like, what is this one? And I was like, Rob, can you just show me? Like, I'm sure you have three of it. I'm sure it's in your deck. And you're oh, like, Catra's Avenger. Like yes. a cycler that makes Embalm. And I'm like, no, it's definitely not that card, because that's from the first set. I know that, because I learned that one this week. You're like, oh. Yeah. No, no, it's not that one. It's actually a three-one for two. And then I was like, "Oh!" And I said aloud, "Oh, I have Blur of Blades." And you're like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> I see myself taking eight on turn three many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any story, uh, last stories for you, uh, Lombardi? Um, no, like I, I, I had a lot of fun at the GP, even though my my day two <laughs> finish was uh, dismal, I guess at best. And Sammy was right, I guess my day two deck. I was like, if if you had to give odds on this deck, like what would your over under be? And he'd be like, he said zero point five, and he would take the under. Um, and he was correct. <laughs> I thought he would win one match. I couldn't. I did. I won a game though. And I'm sure that guy feels like really bad about that. Um, <laughs> but other than that, like it was just really sweet to be in Toronto with like the whole crew and see everyone. And then we also got to just meet like a whole bunch of people from the nation that I haven't met before. Yeah. And I'm not gonna like shout you out by name because then I'm I know I'm gonna miss at least one person and then that person's going to feel bad. So, um, I do, I do, <laughs> I do remember, but I don't, I just, I'm stupid like that and I'll, I'll forget someone and then I'll get called out for it. So I'll save myself that embarrassment, but it was super awesome. Our dinner was awesome. The place KYT picked was, was awesome. And I had a, I had a great time hanging out on Friday, Friday night. It was, it was sweet. And it looks like Toronto's going to be the hotbed of like Ontario or I guess Canadian GPs going forward. There's two of them. Uh, coming up in in 2018, so looking forward to just like kind of run this, you know, back two times. National too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. So yeah, I'm excited. Your bus will be getting lots of money from me. <laughs> I'll bring a charger this time though. With a long cable. No, no. Bring your trophy. Bring your trophy. <laughs> Good enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I think that you guys need to lobby on my behalf to get me into Canadian nationals because I kind of feel weird playing American nationals now. Like I spend all my time talking with Canadians, and uh, so uh, so I feel misplaced in my own country. But uh, I'll I'll just echo what Rob said. It was really cool to meet so many people from the nation. Um, that was definitely the highlight of my weekend. I mean, I didn't have much of a magic many ma- magic highlights to talk about. 
So I kind of have to lead on the personal things and, and the personal things were great. So many people were like so appreciative of what we do at, here at the podcast and they said how much it's helped them going forward. And then, you know, to hear even Doug, I mean, Doug kind of gave the strongest um, endorsement of our Patreon that anyone can give. Unfortunately, he's the one who's supposed to be contributing to it. And he's like, yeah, I'm really getting my money's worth here. But, uh, you know, that definitely, <laughs> definitely extends to other people. I, I think, um, well, now I know based on what people have told me that uh, people are really taking a lot from the podcast and it's helping people out. And that's awesome to hear. That's all I ever wanted to do when I, you know, you made magic content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, D- Doug sold you, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a good value. You get to know all the top eight strategies and uh, the, the secret tech. Uh, we've broken standard formats before too. So just, just FYI, Rob's the recipient of the good stuff from that. So can confirm. Um, <laughs> can confirm. I just, I just feel like uh, something I, I have to mention and. Um, it just has to do with face-to-face games in general, and uh, Sal especially, and Kelly, and Matt, and Vincente, and well, I mean, there's like tons of people, but when I walked in on Saturday and saw that booth, they like worked so hard to make this giant, beautiful 360-degree booth, and it was just packed all weekend, and so many people buying and selling cards, and it was just so great, and the fact that we had like 20 employees working the booth and helping out with the with everything and uh, my job was basically just to make sure that the warehouse doesn't burn down while they're all gone so you know i was able to as long as i was able to be at the warehouse friday and monday then it was fine so i'm like hey i'm, I'm just gonna play the gp so i was the only employee who was able to to actually play this thing because sal conscripted everyone else and sal has just been the best i mean he's been the best boss like i've I had so many random jobs that I never lasted longer than a year, but uh, at face to face, I've been there for like six years and it's just been the best. And Sal was so happy when I top aided and even happier when I won. And the fact that this is like our last GP because of the structure changing, it was just like the stars really aligned, like that this was supposed to happen. And I'm just so like grateful that for all of that. So I just wanted to say, like, Sal, like, you're the best, and thanks for everything, and I, I owe this trophy entirely to you. Mm, sweet. Man, the emotion uh, quotient of this uh, episode is really high. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brian, did you have anything else? No, that covered it. Okay. That covered it for me. No uh, raccoon sightings. Yeah, no raccoons. I was extremely disappointed. I was led to believe there were many raccoons in Toronto. Well, not in my experience. So someone has some explaining to do. And uh, they're on my <laughs> raccoon S list. Look at that. I even caught myself about to swear. Um, yeah, no, just thank you to everyone who said nice things about, you know, both my podcasts, especially First Strike. There were so many of you around and it was, it was awesome. All righty. Vince, for your last words. Yeah, uh, dinner was great. It was really nice to meet everyone. Had a lot of fun other than being in the tournament. The tournament wasn't great. Uh, that's okay. I did make the mistake of forgetting to cash in all of my tickets from the Friday events. So I had to drive back to the tournament site and pay $15 for parking to cash in my tickets, which felt a little bit silly, but it was nice to be able to see uh, Doug in. And Dude, Bob you could have like... I could have hooked you up. Like you didn't have to do you that. Were playing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, I probably... like tomorrow. You know, I'll be at the warehouse. <laughs> just like Skype me and show me. Hey, Rob, I have these tickets. Can I get some stuff? I'll you were like, busy. Sure. I didn't want to burden you. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, 
on the note of raccoons, I don't even know if I want to say this story because I might break Brian's heart, but I was driving home. And, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And there was some unfortunate roadkill that I saw on the way home, and I thought oh. that was a little bit. I thought, you were gonna say, I thought you were going to say you did it, and I was about to drive. Oh, God, no. No. Yes, dude. <laughs> That's clearly where you were going with that story. No, 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 I'm not. Guys, this is. You almost broke the podcast. He's not right? Derek. That was a sick <laughs> troll. That was a I may have troll. a ginger beard, but I don't have ginger hair. We killed a bird <laughs> and a raccoon. <laughs> no, no, no. I saw it, and I, I was like, damn. If only I could have saved him. Yeah. If only Brian was still here and not Niagara Falls. I inadvertently <laughs> caused the death of many cats and horses this weekend. We're just not great to animals this weekend, apparently. I guess. Either way, a lot of fun this weekend. I was really glad to meet, even seeing the the entire cast. Like I have, we, I think that was the first time we were all together, so that was cool. Um, yeah, all the people in the nation were awesome. Everyone was super nice. I'm really happy to get to know some of the the patrons and some of the followers. That was cool. Had a lot of fun. All right. All right. I'll wrap things up by giving a shout out to our first strike producer and Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirch, Jake Derek Pike, Adrian Merchantson, Isaiah Carrero. Thank you so much. And everyone who showed up uh, Friday night. But I know uh, people who didn't show up and came to say hi and sh- uh, shook my hand over the weekend. Like every one of you is uh, really important to me because it- it's really hard to schedule any type of meet up because of people some people just come in friday night like late just so they could play the main event so i know it's a a challenge for for even friday whether it's friday night or saturday night because saturday night people want to be rested for day two so but much love to everyone who showed up much love to everyone who i met for the first time pretty uh super moment when we took that picture of us five uh it was first time we're together and just to see within just 30 ish episodes that, that we have this chemistry that I mean, like it's, it's hard to have this type of chemistry when, when podcasting just to have the right mix of people to have a show feel really right. You know, I've had it before and, and I know the challenges uh, that, that I went through to, to find the right people. So finding you guys was just a blessing was just actually was just blind luck. Uh, in a lot of cases we had Rob on the A team and, uh, just worked really well. Um, Doug, obviously super emotional. We go way back. So seeing you do well was just uh, really emotional for me, uh, personally, honestly, to see how far we've come. And, and you were one of the first uh, man-deprived contributors ever when, we were, when I was just doing it as a blog. And we did free videos with Mike Flores. So, you know, st- stuff like that, you know, gets to me. So... And uh, now, with this like super limited primer episode, uh, we do know that a lot of us are excited about constructing. And Doug was already—I uh, borrowed some of my man hours for him to, to test some little uh, blue-white sauce, uh, saucy deck. So he, he's pretty excited about that deck. I'm looking forward to see what he thinks in uh, future episodes or in the nation when he talks about it. Um, Doug, you want to jump? You want to say something? <laughs> no, I just want to say like that that deck that ten owed the Moto PTQ. I think was like so sweet before it was known, and like it does so many cool things. And we we spent a lot of time talking about it. It's like a, this refurbished Gift of the God Pharaoh deck. So I did borrow some mana hours, which I got to say we we talked about the mana hours a long time ago. It was so easy with the site to actually like get the deck and like play it and then return it. You just like make your whole collection available, and the bot just instantly takes. The, the cards you borrow back. So, like, that was kind of cool. But anyways, 
Um, I owe three pretty quickly because <laughs> people just all had like crooks and like a just braid. infinite braids. Yeah. And, and like one a braid is fine. You're like, oh, that's easy. But then when they have like an a braid and a crook and a second a braid, and you're like, okay, well, s- s- this sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it seems like a deck that if it's known isn't great, but if it's unknown, man, like if that deck had snuck into the Pro Tour unknown, I feel like it just wins the whole Pro Tour easily. Like that's what I think. I was so hyped on look at that deck but it's just beatable with the right answers there's even like a cranial extraction i think for artifacts if you really want to go yeah, deep. dispossess yeah so yeah lots to talk about in future episodes yeah and um, a lot of like watsy news that happened that we yeah. really get to talk on touch on so you gotta come back next week it's gonna be a real good one i'm sure i'm too happy i can't even realize there'll be a pro tour as well yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's lots of stuff i, I don't want to repeat what rob said i do want to thank everyone that made the the event possible uh, especially uh, other people you didn't mention, like Kristen Allison. Uh, she, I had to work with her for the main event registrations because I had all the uh, list of registers there, and I was, um, I guess, freaking out like last year because I don't want someone to have registered and not be on the list, and it would fall under my shoulders. And um, people helped me out in the prize wall when we were giving out packages. And again, I was freaked out about that a bit. If there's anything wrong with those. So shout out to everyone who helped me uh, in multiple facets of organizing the GP. And yeah, I think that's, that's all I have. I'm going to forget to say, oh, everyone that accepted to, to do that interview, uh, all those interviews I did over the weekend is just something new that I tried to see if there's any interest because there was no, no video type of coverage. So, but I decided to take another angle and interview cosplayers, which are, which seems to be really popular and a lot of people are a lot more into it than I thought uh, into knowing more about them. So that was kind of cool to learn and see all the views uh, go up for those videos. And so that's it for, for us. And uh, if you want to join the Patreon, of course, to support this cast, uh, go to patron patreon.com slash first strike. And uh, without YOLO with Rolo pushing pushing me to, to come up with a new design. Like maybe we'll get t-shirts soon. Maybe just maybe. I'm going to have something sick real soon. I feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> Got to get that merch. So uh, we'll see you with that for all the guys and our newly crowned champion, Robert Anderson. Uh, we will see you next week. And thanks for supporting and watching as usual. Hit us with a thumbs up. If you enjoyed it. Oh,